0: The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. I invite you to take your Bible. In a minute, we'll stand and read in Matthew Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, just hold your finger there for a moment uh, as I begin by sharing a story of a memory of my time in ministry in India. My wife, several years ago, uh, started an orphanage home in India. She was going to come today, but she's worse feeling than I am. She may come next week. I want you to meet my wife. But nevertheless, several years ago, she started an orphanage home in India for girls we met an Indian pastor and made a relationship. We built a home. And from that, there is a ministry of church planting. And she just got back recently. There's a new development in terms of ministry to lepers and leper colonies in India that still exists there. And so there's that ministry. And so she and I make frequent trips to India kind of every other six months or so since COVID is over. And we're, we're back on schedule with that. But anyway, on one of the trips... I came back to the airport in Bangalore and then last minute went to the restroom before um, getting on the plane. And when I walked into the restroom, there was this young Indian, scrawny, skinny, tall drink of water Indian bathroom attendant whose job was to work clean in the bathroom every day. So I said, you know, hey, how you doing? And went and took care of what I needed. And then as I left, I had a 100 rupee bill in my hand or in my pocket really quickly readily available and so I just gave it to him now to me in American money that was about two dollars to him in the exchange it was about a hundred dollars and so he looked at that and just you could tell it it made a reaction with him so I smiled and got on the plane a couple of years later same scenario had done ministry in India back to the airport, back to the Indian bathroom for one last time. And I walked in the bathroom, and there he stood again. And as soon as he saw me, and I saw him, we had immediate recognition. He snapped to attention. And when he snapped to attention, I can't laugh or I'll cough, but when I snapped to attention, he grabbed his mop, and swept and mopped, my pathway to the stall he opened the stall and presented the stall as if I were a king (laughs) and as I took my place in the stall he waited for me to come out of the stall and he mopped my way to the laboratory to wash my hands he pulled the towel off the towel rack he pulled another one and another one he was fully taking care of me and he was working another tip I was perfectly fine with that. But as I realized I needed to give him a tip again, there wasn't anything readily available. There was some bills stuffed in my wallet of Indian money. And so I fumbled as he's trying to serve me, I fumbled trying to get the money and I got some money and I tipped him well and I left, had a good laugh about it. And I got about 10 feet out of the bathroom when I got this punch on my back. Sir, sir, and I turned around. And there was my friend holding my passport and my ticket that I had left on the counter. And so the moral of the story is, it pays to have friends in the Indian bathroom. (laughs) I would have been trapped for sure. But the bigger moral of the story is it's important for us to be about the activity of serving of serving others in all kinds of opportunities, in all kinds of places. Even the smallest of things can make a huge difference in somebody else's life. I was reading a story about a pastor who interviewed churches, and, and most churches declared that they are friendly churches. But the comment was said that friendliness kind of has two layers and two levels. There's the friendliness to one another, you know, of the family of God that's already in place... But there's also the necessity of being friendly to those who are not here yet and to make sure that those who are guests or seekers or discovery people are attended to with the same spirit of service that those that are already familiar with you. It's important for us to be about the activity of serving. I think Rick Warren said it in the beginning of his book. It's not about you. It's about others and it's about him. And our call and our responsibility is to serve. And Jesus that we sang about today gives us a good example of that in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Would you honor the Lord by standing as we read this story and read this word together? It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something of him, asking something of Jesus. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They said to him, naively by the way, We are able so he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom is prepared by my Father. And when the heard, the ten heard it, they were displeased and greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus said to them, calling them to himself, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, And those who are great exercise great authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. And here's the teaching. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. May God bless the reading and hearing and preaching of his word as we are being seated. So can you imagine this scene? You have to ask the question, how did it start? Where did the idea come from for mommy to grab up her two sons and take them to Jesus to ask for a promotion? Did the two sons get together and not have the courage to do it, and ask their mom to advocate for them? Or did the mom come up with a great idea? Because after all, they're my boys, and if they're going to be in this thing, they might as well get some recognition. They might as well get some attention, because after all, they've left me, they've left everything to follow you, and they are certainly qualified to be on your right or on your left. Which way did it start? Well, the truth of it is, it doesn't really matter, because it was not a good seen. If mother initiated the idea, the boys should have stopped it. If the boys initiated it, the mother shouldn't have followed through with it. It just was Can you imagine being in the prime of your age as a man or even a woman and having your mom go with you to your boss and ask your boss to give you a promotion and let her do that? Can you imagine that? That's essentially what she's doing. I can see the look on Jesus' face. You know, Jesus knows all things. He knows what's coming, but he plays along. What do you wish? What do you wish? What do you grant? What do you ask? And she says boldly at this point, because she thinks she's got him. I want my sons to sit on the right and on the left in your kingdom, parentheses, because after all, they are really special. I mean, it doesn't say that in the scripture, but you can read that between the lines. And you can hear Jesus say in the response, these boys are going to be famous. They're going to be well-known. They're going to be well-regarded in the kingdom of God, in the Bible. They're going to be printed in the Bible, but unfortunately, Mom, this story is going to be printed in there too. It's not going to be one that you're going to want to be remembering because it's not very flattering to you or to your sons. But nevertheless... The mistake prompted a teaching and gave Jesus the opportunity to teach about the attitude that we are to have, that he has, in the kingdom of God. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, in his daily living, he was about serving. We see later in the Gospels how he washed the disciples' feet. How he brought them along, how he taught them, how he was patient with them. (coughs) Excuse me. We see how he served in his daily living with them to raise them up to be a generation of men who could bring about the New Testament movement and the New Testament church. And he accomplished that as a result of that. You are here today and are part of the kingdom of God if you know Jesus Christ, his personal savior. But he's also teaching that he did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, because he's going to give his life. He's not just serving, waiting tables, washing feet, taking care of needs, but he is sacrificially going to give his life for these two men and the rest of the twelve and the rest of the world for a people that don't deserve it. None of us could stand and give a testimony to say, I was good enough to deserve the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Nobody has that testimony. Because the truth of it is, you cannot be good enough to earn salvation. The only way that salvation can come is through the one who gives his life as a ransom for many. And so we serve a crucified and risen Savior. Therefore, in our lives with Christ... We are called to be in that same vein of serving. Now, at this point, he's not asking us to give up our lives, but he is asking us to give up our self and our self-value and our self-worth for the sake of others who need to be in the kingdom. And so how does that work? Well, when we serve, several things happen. First of all, I would suggest to you out of the learning in James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that when we serve... We remove the temptation to compare ourselves to others. I mean, that's what the sons of Zebedee's mom was doing. These two boys, have you seen the rest of that crew? These two boys, you know, are special. And she was making that comparison. (coughs) But when we get actively involved in serving other people, the only way we can do it effectively is if we lose ourselves and lose our reputation and lose our regard for what people might say of us. We just find ourselves immersing in serving those around us who are in need. Well, who is in need? Well, it's the next person you come in contact with. Not everybody has all of their needs met. In fact, nobody does. And so everybody we have come in contact with, whether it's in church or on the curb or at the Walmart or in the grocery store or at the schoolhouse or at the workplace, everybody we meet, has an opportunity to be served. And our responsibility is to be the representative of Jesus so that people see Christ in us and know that Christ can make a difference in their lives too. The most horrible thing would be to be inconsistent in our serving, and we're human, we're going to make mistakes, but to be serving in one regard and then lose our whole testimony in another activity and then totally diminish this whole attitude of serving. It's hard to do because we make mistakes. But it's important to remember that we should be careful about the way we conduct our lives and be responsible to serve people no matter what. It's important to be serving. Serving in the church also is associated with gifting. The Bible teaches us about the fact that everybody is uniquely made to be a contributor to the ministry of the church. Our personality and our skills and our traits and our abilities make each one of us uniquely qualified to help out the ministry of the church. On top of that, and even more importantly, is the spiritual gifting that is planted in your life at the point of coming to know Jesus as personal Savior and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the gifts of helps and service and preaching and worship and administration and organization and finance and giving... All of those spiritual gifts are to be contributors to the whole of the body of Christ to make the body better, so the body is better equipped to serve the community. And so if you have a spiritual gift that's not a microphone-worthy gift, or at least you may not think it's that way, that doesn't mean it's not important. The gift of faith, the gift of prayer, the gift of helps, all of those that are quieter gifts are vitally essential to the overall health and building up of the body of Christ of the church. I'm not asking for names, but who turned on the lights today? Who got the temperature just right? Who set everything in place for the church service to be in place? Who cleans up the place? Who counts the money, organizes it, runs a budget? Who's taking care of the babies right now? They're not in here crying. Who's taking care of that? Somebody's serving there. And those are just as valuable as the preaching and the music and the prayer and those things that happen in public that are more noticed. And we must embrace one another's spiritual gifting, especially in this time of transitional leadership. It's important to remember that Lord Jesus is leading his church. There's great confidence in following him, and the body that follows after Jesus has the individual contributions to make to bring about the effectiveness ministry of the church, regardless of whether or not there's a preacher at the pulpit today. And so it's important for us to embrace that spirit of gifting as we serve others as well. (coughs) It also goes to purpose. How are you made? How are you wired? Do you realize that before you were even born, God knew who you were going to be and crafted you in a very particular way to live out your life in this world, how special you are. Do you know that? Do you know that you know is your purpose dwells inside of you to accomplish through that purpose for the glory of God and his kingdom? If you don't, that's the beginning of thriving in the ministry and thriving in the Lord's service and work. And the purpo- His purpose for you is to ask him, what is my purpose? And stay on your knees and stay on your face And stay in the word and stay in worship until that aha moment comes, and then do it with all of your might. And we, the rest of the body, will embrace at that point. (coughs) Excuse me. I have a special needs son named Jordan, who's twenty now. He came to us when he was about two and a half. I'm gonna have to cough, I'm sorry. I promise. But I'll go out that door when we're finished and you won't have to worry about me. But Jordan is 20 years old. He's a special needs young man. He came into our home when he was about two and a half. He was adopted. Major special needs. But to see Jordan today is walking around Miracle. He drives his Jeep to church and to McDonald's and to the living center and uh, he works at the golf course. He goes to a college program at UL Lafayette and on occasion he partners with Jacob Crawford in New Orleans one of our great missionaries in New Orleans serving with the homeless Jacob brings teams from around the country to go downtown and start Bible studies with the homeless in New Orleans and Jordan goes with him and I understand that it's fascinating to watch Jordan When the groups pull up from out of the, out of state, they're all a little tentative about going to work with homeless people. But Jordan's the first one out of the van and into the camp he goes and all the homeless people in the city know Jordan. Now Jordan has the uh, intellectual capacity to where he doesn't know two plus two every day of the week. But his ability to connect with people that are marginalized and in difficult situations is amazing. And I'm so proud of Jordan for finding his purpose and serving the Lord in that way, every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us has abilities and skills and gifting to serve. And when we embrace that, we forget about comparing ourselves to others. We don't have to worry about Zebedee's sons or their mama. We just serve Jesus. When we serve, also, and this is pointed because of the story, we also avoid the correction of Jesus. I mean, when we're in that flow of doing what Jesus wants us to do, we're good. He says you're good. You keep going in the direction that he wants us to go. But when we divert and get off track and start to be about ourselves, he's going to correct us. And I must say, from my experience and experience with other people, he can correct you the easy way or the hard way. Now this story, they kind of got off easy, didn't they? But it could have been more difficult. <coughs> but nevertheless, Jesus is going to correct us when we get off track. I'm hoping to get well enough to go see my mentor pastor in Shreveport uh, on Tuesday. Dr. John Sullivan, Brother Gilder, you may remember him, was the pastor that married my wife and I, gave me my start in ministry. Just a tremendous pastor. He's back in Shreveport for a revival. I came to work in ministry as an intern on his staff at Broadmoor. And my very first day on the job at Broadmoor in Shreveport was a staff meeting. And I was a fresh young minister, just freshly called. And I walked into the staff meetings, about a dozen staff members and all the secretaries, about 30 people in this squared off conference room and tables and chairs. And there were two chairs left in the room. They were side by side in near, the, near the exit entrance to the room. So I'm fresh and young and I walked in the room and I just pulled out one of those two chairs. They looked exactly the same. And I sat down in one of them and waited for the pastor to come in. Pastor came in and he leaned in my ear my first day on the job. And he said, you're sitting in my seat. (laughs) Well, I look back on that story. Now, there was no difference at all between this seat and this seat. But he made me move. And I learned on day one never to take the next to last seat in the building. Always wait for the leader to sit down. You know, Jesus said that. It's better to be invited to the front of the room from the back where you started than to sit on the front and be dismissed to the back i learned that on day one and i never will forget it as well i'm sure that when the zebedee's sons were brought before jesus they began to squirm when jesus began to correct the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many reading between the lines i'm sure jesus said your sons will be famous in fact This will be part of their story, and we'll read that as a part of their story. But overall, they'll be a part of helping the kingdom advance. And so when we serve, we will avoid the correction of Jesus. And then when we serve, we learn how to be servants. We learn how to be servants. It's not always easy to get out of ourselves and to give ourselves to others. It takes time. It takes resources. It moves the needle on our comfort zone and we find ourselves not as comfortable with it until we become more comfortable. But Jesus himself gave us that example. Paul quoting in Philippians 2, 5 through 11 where he says, Let this mind be in you who also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and coming in the likeness of God And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those in the earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, to the humbled servant of the people and servant of God. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those of heaven and those in earth and those who are under the earth who have not ever declared him as Lord. And so Jesus, through the teaching of Paul, is giving a warning in this passage of scripture, follow me now while you can, because one of these days you're going to call me Lord anyway. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. No matter what anybody says about him, no matter what anybody believes about him, no matter what philosophy is created, he's always going to be Lord to everyone. And so the warning is to follow him now as Lord and not find yourself under the earth. When we serve, when we act like Jesus, when we humble ourselves as Jesus did, even the death of the cross, taking away the worry of our lives, and the concerns of self, we find ourselves learning better to be like Jesus. (coughs) As you go through your day, it's important to recognize that there are opportunities to serve all around. Pray for opportunities. You've probably been this person, I know I have. You ever been the person that ducks in the aisle in Walmart when a certain person comes... The opposite is what we're to to be doing. I I mean, I get it. You know, the opposite is to be true. We need to walk into populations of people and pray for the opportunity to minister to the person that God's going to put in our path. It may be a complete stranger. It may be a long-lost friendship that needs to be reconnected. It may be somebody in need. It may be a cashier that's down there. Lord, who would you have me serve today? Who would you have me contribute your hope today. And when we do that, when we serve others in the life of Christ, it re- <coughs> it releases us into life with others. It releases us to be about the people that Jesus loves and we get to tell the best stories. I have a neighbor named Gary. He's from Germany. He's American uh, except for nationalization, but been here a long, long time, but he's German and he's an engineer. And so the Baptist preacher and the German engineer are becoming friends. By the way, that's not easy to do. The personality types and the views on life—it's not easy to do. But recently, his son contracted COVID. His son is in a divorced relationship, back and forth, with mom and dad, more with mom, less with dad. But his son got COVID and had these strange lingering effects from COVID that included losing the ability to walk for a while. And so dad being the engineer, being the problem solver, set out to make sure that his son would learn to walk again. And it has been his task to help him learn to walk. He went from walking holding him up, he went from walking one block, he went from walking with a a rolling type of thing he went to walking with a walker he's now walking with a one hand golf cart buggy with a weight on it still not completely uh, free to walk on his own but his father has dropped everything to be there for his son over this period of time I have told Gary that I'm praying for him not a man of faith not a man of prayer but I just kept telling and truthfully telling I'm praying for you I'm praying for your son. And finally, one day, Gary said to me, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers. There's a future of relationship there where Gary and I will have that spiritual conversation. It takes time. And in the meantime, God's doing an incredible work to make Gary the father of the year, where he was a passive father before. I told him that. I said, you are the most admired father i know he said well when empathy was given out i must have been somewhere else because i don't have it i said well you've been forced to have it to help out your son it's important for us to serve others and help them by serving my friend john's wife called my wife the other day and asked if john and jeff could play golf that's unusual Usually John calls Jeff or Jeff calls John. And so his wife called my wife and arranged for a game of golf at our house. And so they came together and she stayed with my wife while I played golf with John. I didn't know this, but come to find out that John was having heart troubles and potentially is a candidate for a heart transplant at my age. And he's terrified. So it wasn't about golf, although we did play, but it wasn't about golf. The convers- I mean, I am a golfer, but the conversation turned to the matters of the heart. And so we talked and played and talked and played. At the end of the time, we parked the golf cart under the shed and talked a little bit more. I said, John, I said, you need to be sure of your eternity. He said, that's what I want. And right there in the golf shed, he prayed and accepted Christ. Bought him a Bible, I've yet to deliver it because I got sick, but I'm delivering him a Bible and helping him to understand that his spiritual heart is 100% well because of his acceptance of Christ. His physical heart is failing and the potential to receive a new heart is out there. But God uses all kinds of things and all kinds of people to bring about his plan. The most important thing in the world is John becoming born again, having no reason to fear death if his heart as his heart gives out. We saw on national television the other day a football player have a sudden heart attack in front of millions of people and we saw as the newscasters struggled and fumbled to understand how to pray for a man whose life is on the line and finally with great courage they began to voice their prayers and last night during the football game the two teams came together and kneeled on the football field to pray for the young man who's miraculously recovering. Well, guess what? God used that man to teach the world that prayer works. Not prayer to some figurine or not prayer to some idea. You kneel the way you want to. No, prayer to God. God's the only one that can take a heart that he made and make it well again. God's the only one that can do that and bring people together as a result. When we serve, we get involved in the lives of people. We haven't end up in the fabric of our life, some of the best stories of God at work. My, my question to you today, as you are following the example of Jesus, taking the teaching of James and John and their mother and turning it into a learning time for you, who are you serving in the name of Jesus? Is it your neighbor? Is it your friend? Is it a grandchild? Is it a grandfather? Who are you serving in the name of Jesus? Well, I haven't really thought about it. Well, would you please pray for God to give you opportunities to serve? Because I know when you pray that courageous prayer, He will bring you people in your life that you can give your Jesus to. When we serve is the way of Jesus. Dear Jesus, I thank you for allowing your word to be shared today. I pray, dear Lord, that we would all be convicted about our opportunities to serve you by serving others in our world. Lord Jesus, I pray that if there are those here today who aren't serving you because they don't know you, that today would simply be the day to be like John and pray to receive Jesus and heal the spiritual heart. Lord, I pray that you would move mightily among your people today and motivate your congregation to be about the ministry of serving within the walls and the body of the church, but as we go as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.